0: Hello and welcome to the political party. Today's guest is Vladimir Ashakov, executive director of the Anti Corruption Foundation that he set up with Alexei Navalny, who, of course, is still imprisoned in Russia. This is a phenomenal, vital conversation about the reality of Putin's Russia, what's happening in Ukraine, Britain's involvement in various regards, and just Vladimir's brave, persistent campaigning for freedom. Uh, and against Vladimir Putin. Um, Before we come on to the interview, thank you so much to all of you that have come to uh, my gigs recently. The Nottingham Night. I've never experienced a gig like that in my life. So thank you to all of you who came. That was uh, a very, very special atmosphere. Um, And I'm still on tour. Clans, there'll have to me. jokes to the right. Goes to uh, York and Leeds are both sold out. And then it goes to Canterbury, Exeter and a few more. uh, And a, a London run at the Soho Theatre. Um, some of those shows have sold out but go to mattford.com for those tickets and tickets to the political party live where my next guest is lisa nandy at a time when uh, the labour leadership is under the microscope in the news uh consistently it'd be great to hear uh from lisa nandy the shadow secretary of state for leveling Up, of course former shadow foreign secretary uh, and someone who stood for the labour leadership last time someone tipped to stand for the labour leadership next time who knows when that may be? Uh, Durham police now hold that timetable in their hands, perhaps. So uh, that may have taken on a more urgent nature by Monday. Uh, my guest, two weeks after that, is West Streeting. Then it's Gary Neville. Then it's David Davis. Then it's Lindsay Hoyle. So it's a, a mega run of guests. You can get tickets for all of those shows at matford.com uh, and tickets for the tour uh, as well. On then to Vladimir Ashakov, who's an incredible individual, um, someone who has incurred. Um, I guess, hardship in a way that his life has been fundamentally changed uh, by his decision to speak up uh, about Vladimir Putin and the reality of that regime. Um, But there are moments of real hope in here, uh, particularly about what change may come in the next five or so years. Vladimir, um, it must always be a... a, um, Difficult experience being such a public opponent of Vladimir Putin. Um, But thinking particularly of the last, say,
1: six months, uh, how bad has this been for you? Well, I've been living in London um, since 2014. Uh, It wasn't by choice. Uh, It was a result of politically motivated uh, persecution in Russia because I was a close associate of Alexei Navalny who um, over years emerged as the most prominent opponent of uh, Vladimir Putin. So I have been um, doing my civil and political uh, work from London uh, for the last eight years. Um, In terms of safety and security, obviously we know that uh, Britain has been the place where Russian security services have assassinated um, a number of people. The most the most sort of famous w- would be Litvinenko and Skripals, uh, but there are unconfirmed evidences of other uh, unexplained deaths. Um, so you don't, I mean, you can't live your life normally when you're constantly thinking about that. Um, so you just uh, take reasonable precautions and uh, carry on and obviously your friend
0: Navalny was poisoned not in Britain but 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 on that flight um a poisoning that you know many thought was going to cost him his life um i mean why do you think you haven't been poisoned or you've just been good at evading it
1: <laughs> um navalny also always was um kind of uh saying in his interviews the question that people uh always tell, uh, always ask is, well, if you have been opposing the regime of Putin, you, you have been uncovering corruption and human rights abuse, why would Russian authorities not get rid of you in one case or the other? So he and then uh, he was poisoned a year and a half ago. And then uh, he was incarcerated in Russia. Um, So maybe uh, my time has not come yet, but uh, on a less uh, sinister note, uh, I think it's much harder for Russian security services to do things like that in London. And uh, especially after the start of the war, um, there is uh, the customary meetings that people uh, under threat like myself have with the Metropolitan police and. we are in communications, so um, I, I, I can't give you a better answer than that. And how do you feel about London then? Obviously,
0: for many years, referred to as London grad, it was seen as a place where Russian oligarchs would, would launder their dirty money, get the children into elite private schools, buy up property that uh, effectively the, the British authorities look the other way. Now, I know that some things have changed and Bill Browder mm. has been a very effective lobbyist on things like the Magnitsky Act and things, but... Do you think Britain is still a place where um, cronies, friends of Vladimir Putin, uh, crooks can come, launder their money and ingratiate themselves into the upper echelons of our society?
1: Well, first of all, London is a great city. It's a natural magnet for talented uh, and ambitious people from all over the world. For Russians who decide to live outside of Russia, it's a natural choice English is the first language that everybody uh, learned at school. It's a big city, not dissimilar to Moscow. Uh, Public services generally work. People trust the British education system. People trust the British financial and legal system. What's not to like? So London um, is uh, home to, I think about 150,000 Russians of different sorts. Um, most of them are professionals, lawyers, bankers, um, uh, people who work in culture, students, etc. So you cannot just um, label all Russians who live in Russia as crooks and uh, and thieves. Um, but of course, uh, London is a, a huge financial center, and uh, um, tens of billions of financials. Flows go through London, and part of that is dirty money stemming from corruption. Now, uh, there are many countries where corruption is rampant, but Russia is probably unique in that uh, it tries to use its influence in a malign way um, so that it undermines the Western uh, political order and. it uh, russia increasingly over the last years have been taking a confrontational uh stance towards the west we have seen the assassinations that we talked about we have seen the cyber warfare and meddling in elections in various countries um we have seen um sort of proxy conflicts in middle east and now we have seen this unprecedented aggression in Ukraine, which has caused, um, you know, in, 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 insufferable tragedy for the Ukrainian people, but also in Europe, the flood of, um, of refugees, the additional expenses on securities, armaments, the increased energy prices. That's the cost of um, Russia being and then slipping towards totalitarianism that has been happening it's
0: also had a, another influence here i mean limited influence uh, admittedly but through channels like sputnik and and russia today which russia today recruited people like the former first minister of scotland alex Salmond. you know it's had formerly credible people on there as well as the usual suspects i mean are, are you surprised that formerly credible british politicians were prepared to go on to that channel basically in return for a few quid mm-hmm.
1: Indeed, uh, Russia today uh, is a uh, media outlet, uh, state-owned, that has been um, a a tool of Russian propaganda for a number of years. Um, It uh, has been very well funded, and uh, it has recruited uh, a number of uh, opinion leaders from different countries, including Uh, British politicians and, um, um, you know, public figures. Um, You would think that after uh, the start of the war in Ukraine in 2014, after Russia annexed Crimea, after Russia meddled in eastern Ukraine, which even before the current war left about 14,000 people dead in Ukraine, you would think that people who care about their reputation wouldn't be associated with a state-sponsored um, channel for propaganda like Russia today. But uh, indeed, uh, a few British uh, politicians uh, did, and uh, I think that it uh, it uh, should have stopped over the last two months, uh, obviously, because it would have become unbearable for their reputation. but if they if the west in uh, broad broadly speaking was more um belligerent against putin's regime was uh, um confronting putin's efforts at undermining western order more um more uh strongly uh, over the last eight years we might have avoided this brutal aggression because the West um, sort of tepid response has emboldened uh, him. But uh, we are where we are now. We
0: are. And you have effectively a conviction in in Russia uh, of embezzling funds from your friend Navalny's uh, mayoral campaign in 2013. You're now living here. I mean, has that, apart from the, the huge effect that can't live in your mother country you've had to move halfway across the world um has it affected in this country your ability to get credit or any sort of employment thing or or anything like that
1: um when i i came uh in 2014 on a tourist visa and um um a week into my staying in london a criminal case was opened uh, against me in Russia. Bizarrely, as you mentioned, uh, the Russian authorities they they don't uh, they don't pretend to put together a credible picture. So the allegation was that I stolen money from Navalny's uh, electoral fund in the uh, Moscow mayor elections in 2013. An allegation that Navalny denies. So. Nothing was stolen and uh, uh, yet uh, Russian authorities thinks that they know better and accuse me of that. So um, after some agonizing in 2014, I had no choice but to go the route of political asylum. So I applied for refugee status in the UK. Um, It's not um, a preferred immigration option, for anybody, you can't, there are many restrictions. Uh, you cannot travel outside of UK for years. And, uh, but um, for people like me, that's probably the, the only possible way to, to get protection. And I'm grateful to the UK that this, uh, this protection has been granted so I received asylum in uh, 2015 and have been living in London um, since then. Now, in terms of restrictions, uh, I have to mention that since the war started, a number of restrictions have been placed uh, on uh, on Russians, where the the um, the criterion is Russian citizenship. So it's not involvement in corruption, war crimes, propaganda, but it's just, if you have a Russian passport, um, you basically, it's very hard to operate a bank account in EU if you don't have uh, a residency or citizenship. Um, the cards of Russian banks the visa and mastercard cards they don't work outside of Russia. Um, I've heard stories that uh, it's it's very hard to get UK visa for Russians be it a working visa or tourist visa so I think these restrictions are counterproductive and uh, they push away uh, the people who uh, condemn this war who, um, are not friends uh, to Putin's uh, with with Putin's regime. They push them in back to to Russia. Unfortunately, uh, from the geography standpoint, from financial standpoint. So, I, uh, I I think that these discriminatory measures are not really helping Ukraine and are not f- helping the Western cause.
0: And, and you've also spoken recently in the Times a fantastic article about. Another legal problem, which is which is effectively Russia's, is influence—the right word—but certainly, empowering UK courts. Absolutely,
1: um, the UK is a preferred place for litigation internationally, and certainly, the Russian uh, business people they trust UK courts much more than they trust uh, Russian courts. So, in many commercial agreements. English courts are the place to uh, resolve any disputes, and uh, there there are a number of uh, such disputes uh, which uh, where, where billions of pounds are at stake in uh, UK courts. Now, <clears throat> the before the war, the uh, English judges would be looking at. Um, evidence uh, coming from Russia at face value, whereas anybody who understands how Russian legal system works understand that um, coercion is often used to extract um, evidence and testimonies from people in Russia. Um, And um, the disclosure standards that are... um, obeyed by British by, by UK uh, solicitors and barristers can, cannot really apl- apply to the Russian parties, especially Russian state related organizations, central bank, uh, um, other state-owned companies, etc, etc. So in the legal profession there is this concept uh, that if you come to a court there has to be equality, of arms, the same legal principle have to apply to one party and to the other, and uh, it became especially um, especially clear over the last two months that Russia is not at the same level of law as uh, you know Western countries. So um, I, I think the UK has to recognize that and has to take measures to um to correct it
0: obviously this latest war um that putin has started it just again begins you know the conversation about where does this end and what hope is there for russia that they can rid themselves not just of putin but but of that culture of governance that one way or another people in russia at least might get to live under some form of democracy
1: um a complicated question. Um, so I, I, I was quite confident that this war wouldn't happen because it's so against uh the interests of Russia, it's such a unnecessary stupid move. But then again, Putin has been living in a reality of his own, and he made this um He made this bet that uh, really already left dozens of thousands of people dead on the battlefields uh, in uh, Ukraine. Um, At the beginning of the war, I thought there would be a ceasefire and end of active hostilities within a month or two. But now I'm not uh, so confident that the end of the war will be as close. even if there is an end to active hostilities, um, I think Putin's regime, if, if it's uh, not uh, changed um, in a major way, we'll see another aggression in uh, two or three years. So the real um, answer to the issue of security in Europe and the world is to dismantle uh, Putin's regime. And I think this war uh, is a gross miscalculation for him and uh, it will um, speed up uh, the demise of this system. Um, So I I think it's a matter of years up to five years until a serious political change happens in Russia. Um, And uh, we are working towards that but uh, I don't have a good uh, time frame or a scenario for you. It will take still a lot of blood, sweat, and tears using Churchill's words before that. But uh, uh, now that uh, all the Western countries are, I I think they realize that. And uh, there's significant uh, um, portion of Russians within Russia that are uh, not happy with this war, I, I think uh, uh, we'll see a real change within a few years. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
0: and what about putin's popularity prior to the war how i mean I, it's very <laughs> I realize it's another big question how do russians generally prior to this war feel about vladimir putin
1: uh, if you take the first 10 years of his rule so the first 10 years of 21st century um, russia has seen uh, unprecedented uh, growth in uh, both in GDP, in uh, standards of living. But for the last uh, 10 years, the incomes have been stagnating, political freedoms have been uh, curtailed, and um, uh, a lot of Russians have been leaving Russia. Um, uh, and um, it's also quite difficult to gauge um, the, the real level of support in an autocratic uh, country, uh, where people are afraid to speak uh, about their true feelings and true uh, opinions, even to pollsters. And uh, especially this has been made difficult since the end, since the beginning of the war, where we've seen cases when people, Uh, are going to, uh, you know, pickets uh, or protest just with the posters that present uh, a blank sheet of paper or some asterisks uh, that replace the letters in um, no war slogan, and they still get uh, detained and uh, assessed penalties. So um, my sort of back of the envelope, Calculation is that uh, there are ten people who vehemently support Putin, who are beneficiaries of this regime. There are twenty percent, ten percent of people who support him, twenty percent of people who um, uh, oppose him uh, under any circumstances, and there's seventy percent of people that are really victims of what, what they hear today from get propaganda or from their friends, etc.
0: There's actually quite a large proportion are by sort of some form of default quite pro-Putin.
1: Um I think in in the in a system that really does not allow any competitor to uh, to raise up that um a independent political candidates cannot get on the ballots to be elected. They are not given uh, any access to state media. In fact, state media um, throws a lot of mud at them. Um, yes, that's, uh, that's unfortunately the result of a quite skillful propaganda machine uh, built by Kremlin. So then any hope of Putin being replaced from within, or
0: some sort of mass uprising in Russia, is probably quite unlikely.
1: Uh, I don't agree with that. Uh, I think, uh, especially of since the start of the war, people have seen people in the you know political and business elite. They don't need this war. They have seen their fortunes decimated. They have uh, their lifestyles have been uh, turned upside down. They cannot. Um, Enjoy, um, you know, vacations at Western resorts. Their kids cannot go to um, best private uh, schools like before, so they are not happy. Um, the average Russian has seen uh, prices uh, skyrocket. Uh, the brands that uh, they become used to, like IKEA, McDonald's, Nestle, all live in Russia. Um, so they're also not happy about this. Uh, and now that they're um, seeing uh, this constant stream of coffins coming from the Ukrainian front, this all is quite reminiscent of, you know, the Afghan war in the '80s that Soviet Union was fighting, which was quite uh, widely unpopular. And um, This combination of dissatisfaction in the elites and in the general population will, I think, within a time frame of a few years, lead to a political change.
0: And that's obviously something that people around the world would be very relieved to see. Uh, A a periodic concern is whether Vladimir Putin would good so far as to launch nuclear weapons. Do you think he would?
1: Um, from i haven't met putin but people who have and who have analyzed how he thinks and behaves uh, they describe him as quite a, a a cowardly and calculating person uh i think that uh use of nuclear weapons is quite unlikely because it would change um, so much for Russia and for Putin it's, himself. It will be a suicidal move. So I don't think uh, even given the uh, bad performance of Russian army in on the Ukrainian battle uh, front, uh, I don't think he will uh, ever step up and... Um, and use the the nuclear weapons on the battlefield. Well, that's a uh, that comes a huge relief
0: to so many people. Do you think he's changed as a person, Putin? Is he different to the Putin that first led Russia?
1: You don't need me to change you. That he he changed when uh, Macron met with him, and and Macron probably is the world or European leader that met Putin the most. Uh, number of times over the last couple of years. Um, he said in the beginning of this year that uh, he met with a person who uh, indeed has changed from the time that Macron met him maybe a few years ago. Um, some people uh, attributed to uh, COVID and the fact that he has been in very strict isolation um, for the last two years. There are, you know um, the 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 way it's portrayed is that he sits in some sort of bunker. Anybody who who um, uh, will have an audience with him has to be in quarantine for two weeks. He collects the uh, stool samples from people to that that meet with him and uh, and and uh, go through different kind of tests, and you can see even from the pictures of his meetings with world leaders, that they sit at the opposite sides of a very long table. It's really a bizarre sight. Um, so I, I guess uh, it's quite logical that uh, this environment and this isolation changes how a person thinks and changes uh, someone's mentality. And is that
0: just COVID? I mean, obviously invaded Ukraine first time around years before COVID so that you know that's we're sort of we're reliving history and to some extent obviously that had its own characteristics that invasion compared to this one the, the context was arguably slightly different this has sort of got a feeling of a, a longer protracted war about it um is it is it COVID or is it also just a, a, effectively a sort of lonely paranoid man in power slowly going more mad
1: exactly um all the sort of feedback mechanisms between society and the uh, people in charge in Russia have been usurped or uh, eliminated. Um, There is no representative political system. So there's no opposition in any part of Russian political structure. The political parties represented in Russian uh, parliament are basically, puppets of uh, people orchestrating internal politics in Kremlin. There is no rule of law and the whole law enforcement and court system is, um, uh, you know, um, governed uh, in favor of the Russian authorities. And uh, mass media has also been controlled um, from the center. So, if you have a system like that and there is no um, change in who leads the country, naturally that perp- that uh, the, the the person at the helm becomes um, out of touch with uh, reality. And that's uh, for sure what's happened with Putin. So you, you never met Putin, but when was the last time you saw or, or spoke to Navalny? Um we spoke with him shortly before he returned to russia in january 2021 and after that since he has been in prison um his family our team has a way of communicating with him uh, through a lawyer that visits him on weekdays in uh, his prison colony and uh, they he's allowed about an hour of um, Communication with um, his lawyer. So during that time, he scribbles his hand-written notes to us, to his family, and reads whatever material we pass to them. So we are. There is a um, trickle of communications going on between um, us, but it's not. Um, you know, you, we you can see his face or, or hear his voice, but uh, um, he's still an integral part of. Our team. And
0: from what you gather, I mean, it seems like a a very naive, almost daft question to ask, but is he okay? Like, what sort of conditions is he being kept in?
1: Um, From what I hear, in Russian prison, the the inmate population is separated into brigades uh, of. 20 to 30 people that live in one room in you know two-story bunks um and people in his um brigade uh, they have been hand-picked from other colonies they are under strict um strict instructions not to engage in conversation with him so even though he is surrounded by people it it Feels for him like he's in a solitary confinement. So that's another uh, level of uh, pressure uh, in itself. Um, despite all the hardships of Russian prison, Navalny has been raising his voice against the war and against the tyranny of Putin uh, for through since, since the beginning of the war, and uh, he keeps current with the events through this uh, information passed by uh, his lawyer. And uh, he, uh, despite all that, he maintains good uh, spirits. And uh, uh, he writes his short messages uh, that are posted on his social media by his colleagues with his usual irony and self-humor.
0: Well, it's good to know that he hasn't lost that. Um Another prominent um, Russian here in the UK is Egveny Lebedev. And there's been a wide conversation about his place in the House of Lords. And I, he has allies and detractors it, seemingly on all wings of British politics. What, what's your view of him? And, and and do you think he's been unfairly
1: um, embroiled in all this? Um... I wouldn't uh, portray any Russian or any rich Russian that lives in London as the stooge of Putin. Um, his father, Alexander Lebedev, whom I know personally, he, it's, it's a fact that ha- he has been a member of Russian security services uh, in London. And then he switched to business and finance and he made his fortune in Russia Um, and uh, part of that fortune was used to establish him and his son, Evgeny, uh, in British society uh, and through the media investments, the most famous of which is Evening Standard uh, newspaper. Um, They, I mean, um, I don't have any facts that, uh, would, uh, you know, connect Yevgeny, uh, his father, to Russian corruption or to Putin's uh, regime, although anything is uh, possible. But uh, I think um, um, I would be glad to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yevgeny uh, has been an established figure in um, London high society and um, Indeed, he has been given lordship a few years ago. Um, it's difficult for me to judge that. Uh, I prefer to deal in facts, etc. I understand that this is a discretion of a prime minister. So um, that's that. That's uh, something that uh, really amazes and intrigues me about British public life. <laughs> Well, the same. Um,
0: Just as you mentioned, our prime minister, how do you think he's handled Putin in general and and his behavior in Ukraine?
1: Um, Before the war, Russia and Russian corruption wasn't really a central uh, point in uh, British public discourse. Um, Unfortunately, for instance... After Skripal's assassination, uh, Theresa May made a very um, belligerent and strong speech uh, saying that they will root out dirty money from Russia, from the UK, and really nothing happened after that. Um, and the same probably could be said about Boris's administration before the war. Be- he has a lot of things on his plate. He had the COVID crisis to deal with. The Brexit and the Brexit aftermath is a complicated issue. It's understandably, Russia wasn't uh, a big part of um, public discourse. Since the start of the war, Britain, led by Johnson, has been at the forefront of uh, Western countries' support for Ukraine. Um, And uh, I think uh, Ukrainians... um, hold him in in high regard. And uh, um, he is probably the the most, uh, the the, out of all world leaders, the most, you know, big uh, supporter of Ukraine's efforts. And uh, I think it also has helped him politically. Uh, We all know that uh, he has been having um, a number of troubles uh, on political front. but uh, his unwavering support for Ukraine, which is quite popular within the English uh, within the British electorate, uh, I think has uh, lifted his ratings.
0: Vladimir, this has been a, a real honour to interview you. Thank you for all the phenomenal work you do campaigning against corruption and obviously bravely speaking out against Vladimir Putin. I uh, hope one day to meet you.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Matt. Absolute pleasure,
0: mate. Have a great day.
1: Thanks. Bye bye.
0: There you go, Vladimir Ashikov. As with all the people on this in the history of the show, when you talk to people who are those who have the guts to stand up against oppression, against dangerous repressive regimes, I mean, I admire so many of the people that come on this show for a variety of reasons, but that takes particular bravery, particularly when you know that being in London probably makes you safer than being in Russia. But still, given, uh, as, as uh, Vladimir mentioned, that the fate of the Skripals and of Litvinenko and, again, others that we may not uh, be aware of, uh, it still takes exceptional bravery to... Um, to to do what he's done, uh, to to fundamentally change his life in so many ways and and all the restrictions that are still placed on him. Um, But also, so many great things in there. One, obviously the main thing is how soon may Putin be deposed? Uh, It sounds that Vladimir is um, very optimistic of something happening within the next five years. But secondly, a a very timely and, and, and correct reminder... Um, not to presume that every Russian in, in London or in Britain uh, is uh, dodgy or, or, or some way uh, connected to um, Vladimir Putin, when, of course, some of his most vociferous critics uh, are, are in this country for all the reasons that Vladimir uh, outlined. So what an incredible first hand account of what it's like to go up against Putin's regime. Uh, that's all for today. Uh, please do Leave a review, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, spread the word, and I'll see you at one of the live shows soon. Ta.